How are we doing, everyone? And welcome to episode seven of Talking to Mod. Now, today's guest, I am really looking forward to. Uh, I met him when I was on tour with the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Met him in Liverpool. His name's Will Sargent, and he is the lead guitarist of Echo and the Bunnymen, a band who I used to listen to as a kid. So this is this is a dream come true for me, really. So I'm not even going to say too much. Let's just sit back, relax, and enjoy episode seven with Will Sargent. Okay, that was a bit of a... I couldn't get that. I was trying to get it on my iPad because it's better. I've got it all set up, the right angle and all that. So, you, don't, you know, so I only see about 15 double chins. <laughs> don't worry about that, mate. You had a beard last time I saw you. You got rid of that. Yeah, you know what it was? Every time I went out, there was like, somebody would say I looked like Ricky Tomlinson. And it was getting starting to get on me wick. Honest to God. It was like, Ricky Tomlinson, Ricky Tomlinson. And I was in the car park at the supermarket up the road here. Some bloke ran across the supermarket. Ricky Tomlinson. I went, I'm not Tomlinson. And he goes, he says, that's what Ricky would say. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. I driving license out and showed him. He still didn't believe <laughs> I was in Liverpool. I was in the chippy. I was in the chippy in Liverpool. Uh, we've been out in town on the ale or something. And um, I, I was just waiting for my train and it was like, you know, 20 minutes to wait. So I went to the chippy. This like sort of street urchin collared me and was like, you're Ricky Thomason, my ass and all that, you know, Jim Royal. I'm not fucking Ricky Tomlinson, fuck off. And by the time I came out the chippy, he'd sort of gathered together about 10 um, street, you know, sort of gaggle of street urchins all pointing at me going, Ricky Tomlinson. So I'd had enough by then. <laughs> Mate, every time I walk around Belfast, people keep on shouting out Liam Gallagher, Liam Gallagher. It's not until I start speaking, mate, it go, oh no, it's definitely not him. <laughs> or Leighton Baines is another one. People say I look a bit like Leighton Baines. I don't know who that is. Who is it? He plays for Everton. Well, he did play for Everton, but he's into the mod set. He's pretty cool, to be fair, but I prefer it if people just say to me, you look like the magic mod. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, the way you're going, it, you know, that's what will happen. I can only dream. But yeah. how are you, mate? You well? Yeah, sound. Good. Yeah. Now... Me and you, uh, the first time I met you was when I was on tour with the, on the uh, Brian Jonestown massacre. Met you in Liverpool, yeah. and uh, Anton asked me to show you a few tricks. And the first words you said to me were, "You, you're in league with the devil." So how was that for first impressions? Well, you know you are, aren't you? You've got definitely something going on there, some weird juju. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, what I want to know is, how did you get involved in music from the beginning? I just did it. I like music, you know. Like when I was a kid, it was kind of all I was into, really. I used to go to the match, like, watch Liverpool, but I wasn't a massive, you know, I didn't really give a shit if they lost or whatever, you know. Um, I used to go just for something to do, and it was about, you know, it was about two and six to get in. You know, it wasn't even like five bob or something. Um, but yeah, I just started going to see bands. There were some, some kids across the road called the Mazenkos, and they were into music. They were a little bit older, and they were like, you know, like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and all that stuff. Uh, Jethro Tull, they were cream. All them sorts of like seven, early 70s, late 60s bands. 
and I sort of you know used to hang around with them. So he sort of just rubs off, doesn't it? And that's the sort of stuff that you're following. Um, kind of like the more progressive or heavy rock stuff, you know. Um, that's where it started really, and then then like when punk came along, it was all of a sudden you didn't have to be like some virtuoso guitarist or musician to be in a band you could have a couple of chords that was enough so punk opened the doors really and then you know eric's in liverpool you know you just got exposed to so many so many bands you know we were down there as much as we possibly could be you know so i think about three or four nights a week generally every night so loads of loads of them so it sort of just seeps in you doesn't it and of course it does yeah you know was it always a bit of a dream of yours to be in a band? It, it was a stupid dream. It was like, you, you sort of think about it, but you, you know, when I was 14 or 15 and into Led Zeppelin, it was just like, I wasn't thinking I'd ever be in a band. I, I just, you know, it was, it was beyond any any sort of aspiration or whatever. Uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's just sort of drifted in somehow when we started. Just doing it for a bit of a, I was just doing it for a sort of something to do and kind of look cool, you know. I never thought that we'd carry on for this long. Amazing, mate, honestly. I've seen you play many times. And in fact, I even think we did the same. We did a festival, if I, my memory serves me right, you were on the lineup Sharabang Festival in Margate, the Libertines Festival, about oh, four yeah. years ago. So, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Right. Four or five years ago, I think. I remember. I vaguely remember it. I mean, it was my drinking days then. Do you know what I mean? So I remember staggering around there. But um, oh, brilliant, man. I loved it. And what a great little festival that was. I mean, you've played many festivals. Have you got one that stands out for you? Uh, uh, I, God. We did one a few years back called The Secret Garden. I like that one. Yeah. It was small and a bit kooky, you know. <laughs> uh, Kendall Calling is always good up, up the road here, you know. Yeah, uh, it's the first time we did Glastonbury and all that was pretty amazing, you know. I, I can only imagine, like Glastonbury's got to be like the, the pinnacle, isn't it? Would you say, like, for a band to play Glastonbury, that's like Definitely. probably the equivalent to someone scoring an FA Cup winner? Yeah, mm. yeah, it's amazing. Brilliant. No, like when we when we did, it, it a bit hippie fired and a bit. You know, it's got a bit corporate, hasn't it? And a bit kind of, you know, a lot of money involved and all that. Yeah. Um, that That's just, I think that's everything in general now, isn't it? Yeah. Which is a shame. Do you, what sort of jobs did you have before the music really hit off, if you don't mind me asking, Will? Well, when I was a paper boy, so I did a paper round. That's how I saved up to buy records, really. And then, uh, um, uh, then I got a job. Because my mates across the road, Abrazenko, he got he got me a job at a department store in Liverpool called Henderson in the kitchens. So I was kind of commie chef for about four or five years. You know, so you know, up early, the bus and all that every day, and all the usual to do to being a in a full time job. But it was it was good really because it was catering, but it's nine to five, which is unusual you know, in like the catering in world because normally you know restaurants are late and all the rest of it you know so that was it. it was good it was good vibe but it, it sort of just got chipped away and chipped away and the sort 
of skills required. We're getting less people buying in stuff that was, you know, shit food, really. We used to make everything at the beginning. Even had a patient department. Used to make, you know, they'd be, they'd be in there dead early doing all the cakes and, you know, sultana slices and all kinds of things, you know. Really good. They were amazing the way they did it. You know, they just, when you're doing it all the time, you don't have to measure anything they can tell, you know, and all that stuff. There's no way in of anything or anything like that. It's just, I know what's a boring here, you know. And that was, it was good when it was like that. When it started, it was kind of a posh shop. It was kind of owned by the people that run. That was there. They were called House of Fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, so it was kind of a posh. And there was like a rival shop called George. They were kind of our only rivals, really. Um, and that was another posh shop. But it's just, like I say, everybody started getting sacked and it just closed down in the end, you know. Um, no, no. I just got out just before it closed. In the new book, all of there, there was a, a personnel woman there and she was sort of trying to persuade me to stay on. And I think I figured it out. So I think she was trying to persuade me to stay on because she must have known closed because it closed like a month or something. Mm. She must have known because she was sort of vaguely management. But she couldn't have told me that it was closing, you know, because I was just a, you know, a, you know, a worker. Um, you know, but I think she was trying to get me to stay on so it'd get me redundancy. Because we all, you know, because those down, everyone got redundancy money, you know, which was a week's wage every year you were there. Which, but yeah, it was barely like, you know, but. I think that's what she was trying to do, just persuade me to stay on because I don't think there was any great shakes as a worker. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned they're working to uh, get some money to buy records. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Well, the first LP was uh, the Rolling Stones' um, Gimme Shelter. Brilliant. And it was, um, it was like a compilation sort of LP. And I had a live side and like hit kind of weird but i'd actually gone to buy um uh who's next the who shit i've got a call oh god So it was a new Who LP, you know, and uh, so I got I got shelter instead. But I also got, um, you know, uh, food with child Hendrix round about. Yeah, slot. brilliant, brilliant. And it was it was sort of dead cheap because uh, he hadn't died, and they didn't want to be seen as cashing in, you know. I see you uh, recently. You've done a tweet about a was it a Paul Weller scooter? Something like it was up for auction or something. And you mentioned about. I only briefly saw it, so if I've, if I've got this totally wrong, say mod, you've got that wrong there. But I saw a little tweet about yeah. Paul Weller scooter saying you were going to buy it or something. No, no, I wasn't going to buy it. I've got it. I, you know, I love my scooter. Right. 
How many scooters you got? I've just got the one. It's a Lambrest Silver Special. Brilliant, brilliant. You can't beat it. You can't. I'd love to get one, but my mum's still like, I mean, although I'm 33, my mum, what she says goes. She's like, you're definitely not getting one, so I've got to do what mum says. Yeah, it's not, I don't know. Um, I love riding, like I've got a couple of motorbikes as well, but I like riding the scooter best. It's just kind of pottering around, you know, it only does probably 50. Um, but it's great, you know. You go out with all the scooter clubs around here, you know, Cloud Nine and the sock robbers from Kirby. <laughs> There's loads of my bad scooter clubs. It's great going through the, the Mersey Tunnel with 500 scooters. Brilliant, honestly, I love it. I mean, what did you think of Quadrophenia? Yeah, amazing, got it here. It's here somewhere. Got them all. That was there. Oh, here's a good one. You like this one? Signed by Roger Daltrey. Oh, wicked! That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. love that. I mean, you've got a very for everyone watching. We can see you've got a, a massive record collection in the background. Love that. Uh, Have you got one that stands out? A one that is your real favourite that you go back to and play every week? No, it's impossible. For, for, I mean, have one, can you? Because it's just impossible. Got there's too much good stuff there. You know, very true. Very true. Yeah. Like, how'd you pick your favourite Bowie record? It's impossible. I mean, uh, my sort of go-to album, though, the one I keep playing is "Setting Suns" by The Jam. I just can't can't stop playing it. For me, it's like the greatest hits, and I absolutely love it. Our scooter club is called the Sefton Sons. Is it? That's us. And a couple of lads where the Sefton Sons. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. Do you remember that? So we talked about a bit about your jobs, getting your first album. Do you remember the first time you bought a guitar? Uh, yeah, yeah. Got um, it was I was about thirteen or fourteen, and um, some lad up the road was selling this guitar. So I just bought it and I didn't know how to play it, how to do anything. I didn't even know how to tune it. Just just to mess around with it and make noises. And I could, I, I had a dance set record player, and I could like get the wires and sort of push them into where the cartridge was. I don't know how I learnt that. And it, it, I could make it like sound coming out of the thing. But well, I didn't know how to play it or anything. And uh, I think I bought it for thirteen quid. It's quite a lot of money then. And I sold it for four quid. I wasn't very uh, the Hoffner. Um, can't remember what the name the name of it was, but it was a it was, it was a Hoffner. Oh, we had three dogs. God, come on, sit. What were you saying? Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then. Um, when we were punks, um, we met Paul Simpson, who was he's in what the Wild Ponds. He uh, he was in Teardrop Explodes at the beginning, the Teardrop Explodes, and um, he swapped a, a K guitar, which was like the sort of like real uh, Woolworths guitars, for a pair of plastic punk pants. Like, amazing that, like you know, the I don't know where I got them. I think I sent off for them out the back of the other side or something they were like shot plastic you know 
I got this K guitar, which was a bit better than the other one, but it was still terrible, you know. And then eventually I bought, a, when I was working in Army Chef, I got a um, Telecaster from Metal B. And that's, I got that, you know, because of Wilco John, really, because of, you know, out of uh, Dr. Feelgood. Because um, I, I love them, you know, saw them quite a few times. Beautiful. So when you first got your hands on your guitar, were you straight up to the bedroom practicing as much as you could, listening to your favourite songs and trying to play along with it? No, I wasn't listening to my favourite songs, trying to play along to them. Um, I used to, I used to hover my dad's electric shaver over the pickup, and it would sort of go meow, meow, like this kind of thing. You know, I used to record that and. It's like, you know, art. <laughs> well, no, definitely. Uh, uh, eventually, I got like a, uh, I got um, uh, a book that had the chord shapes in it. And I just used to practice going from one chord shape to the next, you know, and that was, that was it really. And then like, like I would, you know, I was always trying to play like the guitar, like Tom Verlaine uh, from television, you know, or kind of like, he does this kind of like little whittle with, oh, it's like a little vibrato you do with the finger. I was always trying to do that. And um, that really influenced me a lot. And Andy Gale from Ganga 4. And I really like Wire. Um, but I didn't try and learn any of the songs. It was just beyond me all that. I was just wanted to do my own songs, you know, my own chord sequences. So that's what, what I did really and would record every cassettes we had a little cassette player and started making kind of like experimental tapes like this just messing around bouncing from one cassette to another cassette and then i got a four track reel to reel machine you know you know just same way as like a lot of people start back there's always one of them in the band that's kind of like all right with a soldering iron or knows how to wire up or whatever you know what advice would you give someone? And when I mean someone, I probably mean myself because I've been trying to play the guitar. And uh, when we were on tour, Anton said to me, you just need five minutes, mate. That's all you need. Have five minutes a day. I'll give you a couple of chords and you'll pick it up. And I've, I tried, but I, I just sometimes I think you've either got it or you ain't. I know, obviously, you can practice as much as you can, but I just think, I don't think it's for me. I would love to, but I'm not too sure. But what advice would you give me? I'd go down your own way, do, do your own path, you know, it's like, I don't, like I say, I didn't try and play like anybody else, like, you know, Tom Valet, it influenced me, but didn't try and copy, you know, any of their songs or they're too hard, you know, <laughs> so it was kind of like, it was a different time. Well, you know, because it was like a punk time, you could sort of be a bit, um, scrappy, really. you know, you didn't have to be spot on. You know, with everything. So, well, I just try and go down your own route and find your ways around. Because I, I, you know, there was no YouTube. That's to look at like these amazing guitarists. Just, they're too amazing. Mm. You see them on YouTube, and you think that's beyond, you know, bloody Jimmy Page. You know, <laughs> like, but what is it really? You know, yeah, we only need like a couple of notes played in the right style in the right place at the right time. 
with the rise of flexion and all that and you've you've made created something that can create a sort of emotion in somebody that's all you want really you know it's combinations of notes that you just feel move you somehow you know you don't need to know all this other finger picking and bloody you know thousands of different styles and that i don't think so anyway like i've, I've managed without very good guitarists for donkey yeah. years you know well, appreciate your advice and uh, all i'm gonna say is watch this space you never know if the magic career ends up going downhill i'll just do a bit of busking in belfast and see where that gets me yeah <laughs> so you've got your guitar you've been practicing do you remember the first gig you actually did yourself went out and performed live Eric's, you know, in Liverpool, the punk club. Yeah. It was the 15th of November, 1978, I think. It was a Wednesday, I think it was. Might have been a Thursday. And we, we had just me and Mac, really. And then on the Sunday, somebody said, oh, you're going to need a bass player. And Les, who was like my mate from school and, the, you know, the regulars and like he just sort of set up bass and we'd never played as far as I know. We went out and bought a uh, Monday or something. It was on the Monday. We did the gig on the Wednesday. And it was only one song. Like, you know, you're not talking, you know, very minimal. But it's sort of, we had a drum machine as well. I, had, I bought a drum machine, so we didn't have a drum that was kind of unusual you know just like this drum machine ticking away so it was kind of people took notice a bit you know even though they were sort of it was a party really at eric's and it was just kind of like you know get, get up and do something there was a lot of that went on you know a lot, you know a couple of people would get together and say oh we're going to do a thing in eric's next week we're going to be i don't know the sausages from mars or something that actually was a band that was holly johnson <laughs> no. just a well, do anything and people would kind of odd i don't know whether it still exists that sort of um mentality i don't know what i want to ask you maybe you might be able to answer it maybe not it's one of them questions but what is it like for you to be in, uh, I mean, when Anton said to me you were coming on, I've loved the music for years, mate. As I said in the intro before, I've been a big fan. So it was, a, it, first of all, it was brilliant for me to meet you and do tricks to you. But second of all, to now chat to you, you know, it, it's brilliant for me. But um, we've got to keep it professional, Will. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> what's it like being in such an iconic and loved band, mate? Well, it's the best job in the world. You know, there's no question about it. You know, it's. Playing live is the best thing. It just is, you know. And when it's going good, it can't be the worst thing. If it's something <laughs> gets a bit gets a bit hairy. Um, but it's also we have, we, have, we have like sections in our in quite a few of our songs where it's just open ended, and it's like improvising kind of stuff, you know, free form. <laughs> so you can sort of do whatever you want. That that always like uh keeps it fresh you know um matt can go off on one and we follow him and you know and all that stuff it's it's great all that i love all that you know because it's never the same twice so it you know 
it never sort of gets never really gets boring you know you're too tense you're too like shit what's an <laughs> you know sometimes you have like these mad blackouts you can't remember where you are on the trip and you know like you'll fuck up you know <laughs> but then what you have to do is then you haven't do you have a favorite song that you like to play live like you personally is there one for you that really stands out on the set list uh there's a few really oh, like i love doing killing i love doing um, over the wall uh we used to do both heads will roll but we haven't done that for a while but that that used to be a good one it's kind of like indian sound and scale you know like that was good um i think um show of strength is a good one live we've got so many songs and there's loads of them that we don't do live that i wish we did you know mac chooses the same really so he's kind of you know what he said this goes well yeah and he'll just say i don't want to sing that one so that's that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not singing that <laughs> but um it's uh it's all right you know like there isn't that many that are dumb, you know like and even even the one sort of uh don't like you can get something out of them by doing a good performance of it you know Oops. Yeah, so generally i like them all really brilliant brilliant too, have you got you're too tense and kind of worried to thinking about things like that you know, like gotta get this right you know of course man of course have you got a favorite venue i mean you've played in so many beautiful places is there one that really stands out for you yeah Barrowlands in glasgow i think a lot of people a lot of bands will tell you that mate the i was very lucky to play there on the tour just did there's something about that place as soon as i walked in there i felt like i went back in time yeah. and it just it grabbed me beautiful yeah that's really good the crowd you know the that Scottish crowd in there, they're just, they're amazing. It's, it, like, I, I try, I mean, I'm so glad that you said that because, uh, like, try to describe to someone what it's like to play in such an iconic venue where all my heroes have played there, you know, to the bloke, there was a story, someone said that, um, David, there's a star missing from the ceiling where David Bowie pulled it off the, the wall or something like that bloke said, and I'm thinking, like, that just adds to just, the, just how iconic and historical that that venue is yeah. that's cool and it's a cool city glasgow as well you know it's great for like there's a lot of groovy stuff there you know certainly is man certainly is now away from the music mate and uh honestly i've really enjoyed this interview so far and, and again thank you very much for coming on it means a lot mate so thank you you've Sorry. got a book coming out on the 24th of this month if i'm not mistaken yeah 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 what can people expect from that mate it's it's basically it's part two of me memoir and um it's it's from when peter fraser got the band as a drummer you know and then it goes on to the recording crocodiles up here gigs you know first time playing in america at whiskey a go-go um to australia uh all this mad stuff that you know is a 14 year old you just think there's no way i'm ever going to well i didn't even think the thought i could go to australia you know or america and now um we've been going to about since 
about 1980 or something. Um, um, I miss it when we don't, you know. It's kind of weird. It's almost like a second home, almost, you know, because we've been times. And uh, when we first started going there, I didn't take to it really. They're all a bit brash and a bit too over the top with all of us have a nice day and all that. Got me nerves. But after a while, you sort of, you just warm to it, you know, and just sort of accept it and the way they are, <laughs> you know, friendly. <laughs> Not used to people being friendly. No. But, um, yeah, it was um, a real eye-opener for America. And I like going to Japan as well. Japan, crazy. I was like going into some sort of weird episode of Thunderbirds or something, you know. Every, every, there was monorails everywhere and there was like roads on different layers. And I think we got on, on one flyover when we were leaving. Was, we were on a flyover all the way from the city centre to the airport, all along the coast and everywhere, like in this, just nuts. Yeah. And there's everything's on, like, like there's layers to the city. It's not just like the ground level, it's all this other stuff, you know. Good. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Now, no, of course. The one, that's one of the best things is the travel. Travel. You know, that's, that's great, that. Now, you've got a lot of good gigs coming up, as we've seen. I'm thinking, is there one, the Liverpool one at the, uh, what's it, the arena with the orchestra? Yeah. yeah. Is that two nights or one? That's just, we've got four gigs with uh, the Liverpool Philharmonic. And that's coming up and finishes off the Albert Hall in London. So I'm trying to find me Rickenbacker. Don't want to be missing that. But, uh, I use it on a couple of the songs on that Ocean, Ocean Rain album. Um, yeah, it's um, hmm, trying to track it down. I've got Peasy on the case, you know. So we've got that coming up, mate. But what does the next 12 months look like for you, mate? Uh, well, we kind of finish off. In, uh, let's see, our last one is in uh, November. I've got a thing on the wall here. All dark, darker waves in America. Beautiful. Uh, Huntington Beach. I think they're trying to get us some South American gigs after that, you know. Uh, but nothing's set yet, you know. But we're definitely rocker waves. Got nothing penciled in for Belfast or anything yet? No, not for Belfast. Let's see. No, no, I don't think so. We do go to Belfast quite a lot. We, you know, we're one of the few bands that used to go years ago. Yeah, Mrs. You know? In fact, I was I was talking to Bill Drummond before. He, you know, he used to be our manager, and he's he's just on his way to Belfast. He's yeah, um, got like a kind of a weird kind of writing place there that he does stuff in, you know. And uh, not in Belfast; it's in this little village up the coast of it. Brilliant, man. Well, I mean, Will, I've, I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. Honestly, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man, and 
you to take time. We only met once and um, it means a lot for you to do this with me, mate. So first of all, from me, thank you very much. No, I'm, you know, I'm all for the mod scene. If I wasn't so fat, I'd be a mod. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be silly, mate. But do you still go out? I mean, you, you had your... You had your cravat on, and I thought, he, yeah, he, you could tell, you know. I mean, you spot a modern mile off. I mean, I knew who you were anyway, do you know what I mean? But I know we brought the, the sort of... Like in 1968 or whatever it was, and he was um, probably earlier than that. And he had a scooter and all that stuff. But he, he, like, I was only a little kid, you know. But I remember all the scooters coming down our road from Kirby. Um, there was loads of them. You know, it was always like a, a thrill to see. It's always a, you know, it's kind of like a thrill to see so many scooters all together. Yeah. You know? it, it was my cousin, um, uh, Mark, that got me into the, the scooter. Like I had one in the 80s, but it was like a bit, it was a, it was a Vesper and it was a bit like hardly ever went, you know, there was always something up with it. Um, he pers sort of persuaded me to get a Lambretta and uh, he lent me his Lambretta. It was a, and sort of got the bug again from that, you know. And it's, I just love riding around on. It's like riding around on a couch, you know. It's, it's just dead comfortable, and you're not going fast. You're not worrying about, you know. I don't think I've ever overtaken anything. That may be a push bike. <laughs> I mean, I mean you don't you don't want to go too fast because you want everyone to see you, though, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Got a few of the parkers as well, then the old M65s with the wolf fur. Yeah, I've got one of them, but I got it years ago. That thing, you know. Um, I've got all the stuff, you know, stripy jacket. Yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. Honestly, there's there's no other style. I mean, I was brought into it from my mum and dad. More from my mum's side, her she absolutely adored the jam, absolutely adored them, and um. She, it was my mum who got me into listening to them, and then the small faces, the kinks, the who, and, and it just went on. And the thing about it is, when I discovered the jam, of course, and the whole backlog of what Weller's done through his solo career to his the Style Council days, yeah. it, it, I had so much music to discover. And as I said, I, he's my favourite artist. I mean, the, the, the jam are my favourite band, hands down. I can't get enough of them. Um, as I said earlier, Setting Suns, beautiful album, and then The Gift. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, did you ever see The Jam live a few times? What was I that saw, like, mate? They were, they were, you know, they were amazing. They were like jumping all over the place and fucking going nuts. It was, it was, it was in, I saw them at Eric's, you know? Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, we, we weren't sure whether they fitted in with the punk thing, really, or whether they were doing their own little... They were on their own path, really, weren't they? They were sort of stylized kind of thing. But, yeah, they were, they were great. Fucking great, you know. The energy was ridiculous. Just three of them. Nuts. I mean, I, the, only, the only thing I get close enough to seeing them is on YouTube. And there's a there's a whole um, few well there's a few full shows on YouTube and uh, I think there's one in Bingley I think it was and like you said the energy levels from when they're running on the stage coming out to the intro circus to you know the way they finish it's just it, oh, it's just unbelievable I mean I'd be collapsing in the, if I was in the uh, 
in the crowd with my fitness levels, mate. I tell you, I wouldn't be able to keep up with all them. No, no. Unbelievable. So, I, I, I've honed my skills as the champion shoegazer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I generally, I used to try and hide on the stage, like a little shadowy corner. I'd be in that. You know. <laughs> well, we'll you know, find it's dead odd when you're on the stage you might do something like a little jig about or something and in your mind you think oh, i've made a right dick of myself there i've been like flailing about like a crazy man you probably just <laughs> shifted over a bit <laughs> you know what i mean kind of like your brain amplifies everything to like everything you do on stage you think everyone's spotted it if you trip over or do something stupid or whatever you know or sneeze or whatever Nah, it's true. It's true. You've always got eyes on you, mate. Yeah. But, you know, most people don't even notice. Or you didn't so much smoke. You know, we have, like, loads of smoke on the stage. That's what I, you know, I really like that. I didn't. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, well, I'm going to leave it as that, Will, if you're happy with that. Have you got anything to add, mate? No. Just uh, enjoyed it. It was good. I appreciate Honestly, I know I've said it enough, but I'm not... It, it, honestly, I've, I've really enjoyed that, mate, and it is a dream for the. Uh, when I started, funny, funny story. Before I let you go, the way this happened is, it was actually Paul Weller's idea for me to do podcasts. He said, "Magic, why don't you start doing a few podcasts?" And I thought at the time I weren't really sure how it would go about, but uh, when you've got someone like that saying, you know, you should do it, and that they come on and do it with you, I mean, you know, you're on to a winner. So. Uh, it's been great and to have you on mate i mean as i said to have people there's music i listen to and to share stories it's, it's brilliant mate so there we go how did it go with the you know the bjm they're good lads mate, really like that. unbelievable it's um anton's such a character he's <laughs> he's i mean of course everyone's seen dig and and i watched it and uh Again, a band who I used to listen to all the time, and my missus loves them. That, that's one of her favourite bands. So when Anton, he followed me on Twitter, and then he said, um, do, do you want to come on tour with us? And I thought it'd be a couple of days, but he's like, no, I want you to do the full UK and Ireland tour. I was like, oh, my God. And the missus was like, I don't think you'll survive. <laughs> my God, I think I'll be all right. But they were brilliant. And, 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 I mean, that was my fifth tour as a magician, you know, I'm so fortunate enough to do it, but that that was my favourite one because the way they looked after me, mate, it was it was like a family, and I, I class them all as my brothers now after that happened because the, the love and support I got was I've never experienced anything like that, and I, I felt for them three and a half weeks I felt like I was part of the band, and and, and I never felt like that ever. Oh yeah, well, you know, when I got you, didn't need like you know dragged you onto the bus and do a trick for him, do a trick for him. He, I remember he actually called me, he said, where are you? Bring your cards now on the bus and then put the phone down. I was like, what the fuck was going on here? And he's like, do magic. <laughs> That's a, it's a definite in, interesting skill to get into. It's very, uh, you are in league with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my missus when I, I get that, I said, I quite like that quote. I, I might get it tattooed and that. She went, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it like that. But um, no, it was brilliant. And as I said, to put, it was brilliant performing to you. And each night we, there was always someone different on the bus and, and some would be like, 
right do magic now do magic not not like that you know what i mean but it'd be like these are my new friends this is my friend from i think he had someone come from all the way from america and he's known him his whole life he said you've got to, got to do magic to him and it was just brilliant man i mean i love i love same as yourself i just love performing yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> for for me to be able to bring my my two loves together my music uh, the, the love of music and magic to be able to do magic to a music crowd is a dream come true mate i can't even tell you that like it's mental i mean, it should. I, I i missed you that night because we got there late but what what um how does it go you know to a crowd like that it, it, you know i've done liverpool a few times now and everywhere is respectful you know i mean I've, as i said i mean if i was shit the crowd will let you know. But the thing about my act is it's a bit like putting Tommy Cooper, Paul Weller, Norman Wisdom and Leon Gallagher. You put them all together and you end up with the magic mod. And it shouldn't work. Like someone said, it shouldn't work, but it does. And yeah. people are so, they're watching and they're thinking, how is this going to work? And that's when everyone's dead silent because they want to see how this works. And the tricks that I don't do close up tricks like I did to you on the tour bus. I do like big effects with like the classic milk jug pouring the milk in the newspaper, it disappears. Uh, I ended up that the, the final trick was I bought this trap when I was on tour with the Libertines from this antique shop. There was like an antique bear trap, and I put the cards in there and I've got to get the, the uh, spectator's signed card out of this trap before the trap closes. And whenever I set that trap up and people are watching it, you can hear a pin drop mate don't matter where you are you can hear a pin drop because everyone's like shit this could go wrong here yeah. <laughs> especially when i say look i lost a finger the night before yeah. <laughs> well you gotta you, anyway, i can do my chest uh, do that one uh, <laughs> why didn't you do that on the tour bus <laughs> brilliant man will jack magic magic uh, the, 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 I've got these tops made up saying Mojik. Yes. I sent you one out, mate. I saw it. I saw it on your, um, you know, on, I was looking at your Instagram on that, you know. I've got Joel. Joel, Joel's got one. He wanted one. Because when I was, another thing, I had this t shirt saying, Who the fuck is the magic mod? Someone made for me. And Shay, the big, the big tool guy, he was the uh, guitar tech. He, he took it. Like, that was it. He's like, I'm having that. That's it. I'm wearing it. I only had one, so I had to go and get these other ones made up. And everyone else was like, I want one, I want one, I want one. I'm ditching them all out. <laughs> but I mean, they, they, do you know what I mean? To have them love what you do and support your work is amazing, man. Yeah. They're good lads. They are really good lads. I love, love the BJM. Brilliant. And w w amazing live. Like the gig, I mean, every night I got to see them. And it's similar to what you said when you played. Not every night was the same. Yeah. Not every night was the same with them because half the time they didn't play the whole set list because Anton would be talking in between or something. Like some nights you have 12 songs, the night before it'd be 10 songs, and you never knew what you've got. And like it was just amazing to be there, even though I was working, to see that happen. It was, it was, it was real magic for me, man. Yeah, they are really good. They they played with us in uh, San Francisco years ago. They are, you know, twenty years ago probably. You know, um, so I've known them a long time. Brilliant. They were Joel was telling me the story about um, 
when Oasis went out and I think it was, it gave him a load of, uh, I think he gave him crystal meth or something like that. I can't quite remember now, but he was telling me. And then that's when Noel ended up doing a runner from the band for a bit, didn't he? I was. <laughs> he was telling me and I was like, what? Because I'm going to this Q&A uh, with Noel. It's like a conversation with Noel Gallagher in, in Kingston. And there's a chance to ask a question. I thought, I said, I might ask Joel. What would he ask him? And he said... Ask him if he would ever reconsider doing crystal meth again with me. <laughs> Mental, ain't they? Honestly, but I love him. That shit. <laughs> Mental man, but will I'm gonna love you and leave you, my friend. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much again. It really means a lot, man. Don't worry. And I'll speak to you soon. On uh, on Ricky Tomlinson, so that's all right. My ass. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Take care. Thank you, my friend. Bye bye. Ta -ra. Wow. That was amazing uh, to have Will on the show. Uh, the seventh episode. Now, on Thursday, we've got a uh, Chrissy boy from Madness. And as I said, I'm, I'm going to be like a fanboy again there. But what a lovely guy. I knew that would be a great, um, a great podcast, that one, because. When I met him on the tour bus, he was just such a gentleman. So to have him there then, that was brilliant, man. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast. If you haven't got any, make some and then tell them. But thank you all for joining in, uh, leaving comments and, and just loving it. So have a lovely evening and I'll catch you on the other side. Bye-bye.